Anyway, before we uh, have the message, let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here this morning. We thank you for this, uh, just a wonderful time of celebration, and it's uh, praise and worship to you and to you only. And Lord, we lift up uh, some of those that maybe aren't feeling well today. We just ask that you will just be with them and comfort them and encourage them. We we also just lift up Everett and, and Shirley as they're going in for surgery on Wednesday, and we just pray that you just guide the surgeons and and Lord, that it just all goes well, and we just leave it in your hands. And Lord, we uh, just pray for your word today, that it'll speak to us. And we just thank you again that we can be here together. In this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to, uh... wow, that was kind of cool. Some snow just fell off the roof or something. So I don't know who's parked right there, but good luck. Um... So... Uh... Scott Scott dismantled Christmas last week, so I'm going to simplify the dismantling of Christmas. So that's what we're going to talk about. But I have a couple of th things here. I have a little Christmas tradition I like to keep. Every year I knock over the tree and smash all the ornaments just to see the look on the cat's face when she realizes I beat her to it. <laughs> you have to kind of look at this, but it's not worth it. Let's just give him our noses and let him go. Now, I've got a couple of tidbits here. Three people die each year testing if a 9-volt battery works on their tongue. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, because we do that all the time. But anyway. Um, but then 19 people have died in the last three years believing that Christmas decorations were chocolate. Now, how many of you have ever even tried that? See, I knew we had a smart group here. 31 people have died since 1996 by watering their Christmas trees while the fairy lights were plugged in. Now, I don't know what fairy lights are, but I guess don't do that. 101 people died since 1997 have had the broken parts of plastic toys pulled out of the soles of their feet. How many have had that happen? I guess it's just me then. So, I've done it 101 times. <laughs> so, so anyway, that all comes down to we've got to simplify Christmas. Now, it's not quite so bad now with all the online shopping. How many of you buy stuff online? See about everybody. How many go to the malls and shopping stores and all that still? How many went Black Friday? Black Thursday, Black Wednesday, Black Tuesday, Black Monday. But I, think, <laughs> but I think we can agree that it's a very hectic time, stressful time. It's a stressful time. It takes a toll on our bodies. It takes a toll on our bank accounts. All that kind of stuff. There was a lady that was overheard telling the following story. She said she was browsing in a souvenir shop when the man next to her struck up a conversation. And just as he was telling this lady that his wife was just getting carried away with shopping and she's buying everything that you can think of, all of a sudden the lights in the store kind of blinked on and off. And he looked at that lady and said, well, she must be at the checkout stand. Time to go. And then, I've got lots of stories today. Don't get excited about that? There was uh, a lady who had been 
Christmas shopping all day, tired, hands full of packages. You can tell I get these stories from years ago, right? We don't do that anymore. They all ship them to your front door. But she had all these packages, and she's got to go down, so she hits the elevator, and the elevator opens, and she has this bunch of packages, and she looks in the elevator, and it's full of people. So they all kind of just moved away so she could kind of cram into the place. And as the doors close to the elevator, she's holding that. She just blurts out. She said, whoever's responsible for this whole Christmas thing ought to be arrested, strung up, and shot. So a lot of the people in the elevator just kind of agreed and kind of went, yeah. And all of a sudden, a voice from the very back of the elevator just said, don't worry, they already crucified him. So sometimes, sometimes we forget in all the hustle and bustle of Christmas, we have forgotten that Christmas is about one thing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We need to remember who is responsible for the whole Christmas thing. And it's all about how God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So whoever believes in him will be saved. But doesn't that sound so simple? But I think that's how it was meant to be. So we're going to look this morning about how we can simplify Christmas. And I know we do a lot of good things during this season. But I think there's a story that's not necessarily a Christmas story that we're going to look at today. And if you have your Bibles and you turn to Luke chapter 10. Very familiar passage. But I think it will help us simplify our lives so that we're not stressful. So if you just turn with me to this passage or follow along or look in the screen or whatever you want to do there, just don't fall asleep at this point. Starting with verse 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So this morning, I want to just give you some tips on how we can simplify Christmas. First of all, we got to see things as God sees them. For 51 years, Bob Edens was blind. He couldn't see a thing. His world was, in a sense, black. That's all he saw. And he had felt this way for over 50 years, and then all of a sudden, a skilled surgeon did a, did a surgery on him, a very complicated operation, and for the first time in his life, he was able to see He says this, he says, I find it overwhelming. He said, I never would have dreamed that yellow is so yellow. He said, I like nothing more than to look at the moon and the stars. And he says, I like to see the jets across the sky and see the vapor that they leave. He says, I can't understand before that I understand now how wonderful everything is. And I think it would be For us, it's hard to understand 
all that this man was experiencing to see color for the very first time in his life after over 50 years. But it's a tough thing to look through someone else's eyes. Many of our arguments, many of our disagreements probably would not get to that point if we could somehow see through someone, see the other person's point of view. Plus, we don't know everything that's going on in the life of these other people that they're trying to see the world through. So this morning, we're going to do a little exercise here. I want you to think about, and if you have to close your eyes, close your eyes, that's fine. I want you to go through your holiday routine. I want you to go through your typical Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Okay? Everybody there? You're in your routine? Your thoughts might become from opening presents to eggnog, back again. I want you to look at these things, but now I want you to look at them in a sense as God would look on your activities. Would God be pleased? How does he view your Christmas routine? In a sense, how can we truly know what he's thinking? Because we need to kind of think about that as we try to discover and answer questions. We need to try and put ourselves in God's shoes. Now this isn't, uh, don't strike me down or throw things. I'm not saying we're going to be God. Let's just try to see it from his perspective a little bit. Because if we can look through our own eyes all the time, we're going to probably get stuff wrong. Let's look at our story. Martha kind of was looking through things from one point of view. She wanted to tell, wanted Jesus to tell Mary that she's wrong. She's seeing things strictly from her own perspective, not God's. So instead of agreeing with Martha, Jesus has a whole other point of view entirely. And it's that point of view that I want us to see about Christmas this morning. I want you to put yourselves in God's eyes and shoes. Look through what he's looking at. And so let's start from the beginning. You didn't know we're going to go through the whole Bible. What happens? Well, we're God. We feel the need to create the world. And so we spend six days creating a world. We make the heavens and the earth and, and the seas and all of that stuff. Then we fill them with all living things to plants and animals. And we even make man in our own image and give him a paradise to live in. And we even choose to dwell there with him in the garden. And we give one rule to this creation, to this man that we created. Doesn't seem too much to ask. But then the man we created decides to break that one rule. Chooses his own desires over the desires of God and it breaks his heart. So as man fills the earth more and more, more and more of these people, 
they choose to break the rules and not follow God's way, we try miracle after miracle to try to bring them back. Even our own people, Israel, turn their back on them. Even when you try to fill their needs and, and help them get out of Egypt and all of those things. So we come up with a plan to save the relationship. We'll send one person that we love the most to go and lead them, even though that we know that this person's going to be rejected, they're going to be beaten, and they're going to be crucified. But it's worth it if they come to know us. You see, God loves people so much that He gave us His most valuable thing so that we would just accept the message and believe. Are we starting to see how God sees things a little bit? In Hosea, God compares us to a prostitute that He takes back and loves even though she keeps cheating and running away from Him. In the Gospels, we're shown the prodigal son who goes off and squanders everything and yet God is there waiting, arms open wide, to go and meet them as they come back to Him. Even Jesus shows how much He wishes to be reconciled to us. In Luke chapter 19, we're told that Jesus sees Jerusalem in the distance. He begins to weep for the city. Why does He weep? It's because He wants people to come to Him. So this Christmas, as we have celebrations and we have parties and we open gifts, and hopefully you attend church during this time. See, you guys are here. That's good. How does God see your activity? Because I tell you, He sees it as nothing if it does not fulfill His purpose in causing the first Christmas to draw all men unto Him. So we need to remember why we rejoice. We rejoice because God has given us a way to have an intimate relationship with Him. So we've got to see things from as God sees them. We also need to minimize our distractions. Now, does that sound familiar? Don't you hear that all the time? All that Tupperware you buy to minimize all your storage and all that, you know? See if this sounds familiar to you. There was a woman who got out of bed gets ready for the day. She knew that she needed, the most important thing she needed in, her, in that day was to get two letters in the mail before the mailman came. That was her goal. She picked up the letters and she went to put on her shoes when she noticed that she'd forgotten to vacuum the rug. And the rug was in the front of the door and she knew that she was going to have company coming over later, so she knew that she needed to vacuum the rug. She set down the letters, went and got the vacuum. After vacuuming the rug, she went to put the sweeper away when she noticed that her husband had forgotten to make a, clean up his mess. So she quickly cleans that up, tidies it up. She goes into the bathroom to do a little cleanup there now. She notices that the toilet paper roll is getting low. So she goes down to the basement to get more toilet paper and get that going. She runs back upstairs. As she's walking up the stairs, she realizes there's a load of laundry that needs to be done. 
So she goes and puts the laundry in the washer. As she's putting the detergent in, she realizes, oh, need more detergent. Put that on my shopping list. So she goes upstairs, finds the list, tells Alexa, however she does it. She flips on the light. The light burns out. She realizes, i got to go out in the garage and get some more light bulbs. As she puts it into place, she feels like there's something that she's forgetting to do. So she goes through it. I've cleaned. I've, I've vacuumed. I've put the stuff on the grocery list. She goes, I think I'm just going to relax a bit. And then she notices that, hey, the mail's here. I need to go out and see what's in the mail. And as she's going out to the mailbox, she realizes, oh, wait a minute. The one thing that I needed to get done today, I didn't do. The most important thing I had to do today, I didn't do. She would become so involved with other things, she had forgotten about what was most important. I think that lady had a lot in common with Martha. She sees a list of things that need to be done. She's going to do what she can to try and accomplish all the tasks at hand because, hey, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is coming to visit. I want to make sure that everything is in order and in its place. Now, how many of you are perfectionists when you got company coming over? Everything's got to be exactly the way it's supposed to be. I'm talking to you this morning, right? But as we said before, what God desires most is that we draw close to Him and spend time with Him. The other things that Martha was doing was not bad. But they were causing her to miss out on the best part of having Jesus in her home. That is by very nature a definition of a distraction. So at Christmas time, we tend to get easily distracted. There's so many things that we just want to be a part of. There's a ton of work to do to get ready for Christmas Day. Especially if you have kids, you want everything to be fun. Build traditions, and there's not anything wrong with that. There's visitors and parties to prepare for. There's all this stuff. And all these things are good, but they can become distractions if we let them. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, right? We've got to make sure that the time for ourselves, we have time for ourselves, we have time for our family, and we have time for God. That's going to go miles in helping you simplify Christmas. One more thing. We must sit at His feet and listen to His Word. You see, we make this whole Christmas, we make Christianity harder than it needs to be. If we could just get the basics down, God would be so pleased with us. Basically, the basics are, God wants us to study His Word, He wants us to pray, and He wants us to worship Him. Now, how hard is that? If we will just do those three things on a regular basis, I believe the rest of our life will fall into place. Mary understood that as she sat at Jesus' feet. Sitting at her feet would be like us approaching Jesus in prayer. She listened to Jesus teach what happens to us when we read God's Word 
We're listening to God. And her just being in His presence was worship. And we need to do the same thing if we wish to please the Lord this Christmas. So I guess some of the questions are, are we in God's Word every day? Do we spend time in prayer? Do we spend time in God's presence just worshiping Him? Because I think we need to get serious about our Christian walk. So I challenge you to simplify your spiritual life by just doing those three things daily. Pray, read God's Word, and worship. Now how hard is that? Depends if you've got distractions going on, right? I want to close this morning with another story. Because I like stories. It's about a woman who wanted to simplify her Christmas. She was not too successful until she realized something. And I'm going to let her tell it through her words. And here's what she says. One December, I vowed to make Christmas a calm and peaceful experience. I cut back on non-essential obligations like extensive card writing, endless baking, decorating, and even overspending. Yet I still found myself exhausted, unable to appreciate the precious family moments and, of course, the true meaning of Christmas. My son Nicholas was in kindergarten that year, and it was an exciting season for a six-year-old. For weeks, he had been memorizing songs for his school's winter pageant. I didn't have, to, didn't have the heart to tell him that I'd be working that night and wouldn't be able to see the program. But unwilling to miss his shining moment, I spoke to his teacher. She said there would be a dress rehearsal in the morning. All the parents that were unable to attend that evening could come then. She said, my son seemed happy with the compromise. So she said, I got there for the dress rehearsal. I filed in 10 minutes early, found a spot on the cafeteria floor, and sat down. Around the room, I saw several other parents quietly scampering to their seats. And as I waited, the students were led into the room, each class accompanied by their teacher, and I sat on the floor. Then each group, one by one, rose to perform their song because the public school system had long stopped referring to uh, Christmas. They used the term holiday. She goes, I was not expecting anything. Anything than just a fun, commercial, entertaining time. She said, I figured they would sing songs of Frosty the Snowman and Santa Claus and Rudolph. So she said, when my son's class rose to sing Christmas Love, I was slightly taken aback by its bold title. So there were the kindergartners all lined up, each one holding a letter. This is what their Christmas program was all about. They held up large letters one by one to spell out the title of the song, C is for Christmas, and they go on and on throughout to spell out Christmas love. H is for happy. I don't know what the rest of them are. They said the performance was going really smooth until we noticed a small girl in the front row holding up the letter M upside down. So it was now a W. Totally unaware that she has her letter upside down, the audience of first through sixth graders started laughing and snickering and joking, and they were laughing at her, and she just stood there proudly holding up the letter W. 
The teachers are trying to hush the children. Laughter continued until the last letter was raised, and then a hush came over the whole thing. When they realized the spelling, they realized the reason why we celebrated this holiday in the first place is Christ was love. That is an amazing message. Christ's love for each one of us. And you know what? He still is love. His deepest wish and desire this Christmas season is for us to lavish on this love. But we got to first see, the, see it through His eyes. We need to minimize our distractions. We need to sit at His feet and listen to His word. That's the way we're going to simplify our Christmas. To remember that the real reason for the season is God wants this to be a time that we call on Him and receive His love and grace and mercy in our lives. And I trust that all of us here know Christ in our heart, in our life. If not, I pray that you will do that today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for your incredible love and we can't even begin to understand how much you love us but we just thank you this morning for that love and Lord I just pray that we can all get our priorities straightened out and that we can focus on what this season is really all about and that we can really simplify this season and realize that you are number one and that we have come to worship and praise you and again I thank you for each one of us here today and I just pray that our worship is pleasing to you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.